Well, morning, everybody. My name is Andrew. I'm the senior leader and teacher here, and it's so good to have you with us. You join us today in the middle of a, a series uh, we started last week called uh, Running with Giants. And uh, last week we spent some time looking at uh, a gentleman called Noah who, who built an ark, who built an ark. And, um, and it's just been such a, been a, a great opportunity for us to realize that, I think, I don't know about you, but sometimes in our lives that we want to give up. We realize that um, God might have asked us to do something, and uh, we automatically assume that when God asks us to do something, it happens like tomorrow or the next day. And for those of you that have been a Christian for a while, you might realize that God's time is not our time. And when God asks us to do something, sometimes it takes a while. In fact, it took Noah 120 years uh, to build the ark. And so I want to tell you, if, if God has whispered something in your life or God has whispered something in your heart, um, he might do it like this, but he might take a while to bring it to fruition in your life. So don't give up. Don't give up. Um, and so uh, I want to encourage you uh, with that. Uh, we had an opportunity yesterday to spend some time dreaming into 2019 and, and all of that. And, you know, statistics tell us in, in, in America, they say that one out of eight pastors who enter into the pastorship won't get, not one in eight, I'm lying to you, three out of every eight pastors will not get to the end. Somewhere along the line, they'll kind of give up. They'll get out of it and say, listen, we don't want to do this anymore. Um, we know that you called us to pastor a church. You didn't remind us that there were going to be people in the church. Um, and, and sometimes that kind of gets a bit hard and, 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 and it gets tough. And yesterday we spent some time just looking and dreaming into 2019 and, and what that would look for. And I want to say to you that if you're part of this house, um, you need to hold your socks. Because if that's a saying, I don't know if that is a saying, um, but you know, hold on to something. Because I think we haven't even seen yet what God has in store for us come 2019. And we're really excited for what he's going to do. But we know that when we planted, we believed straight away that God, you told us to plant this church. You told us that you were going to bring the people. And in our own minds, I think often we think God's going to do it like this. And maybe, just maybe, I need to change my name to Noah. I don't know. Just like maybe, you know, 120 years later. Um, well, 120 years, years from now, I hope the house is still here. I hope it looks better than it does now. Um, I know I won't be here, and I don't think any of you will be here, but I pray the generation that comes will be able to say, we're here today because we stood on the shoulders of great people who planted something years ago, and we're bearing the fruit of that today. That has got nothing to do with my sermon. I just thought I'd share that in and, and share with you. So we're in a race. For those of you, you might know it, not know it, you might have moved to Nelspruit because you kind of lived in Johannesburg and you wanted to get out of the rat race. And so you moved over here. But you and I are in a race. In fact, Scripture tells us about it, that we're in a race. It's a race called life. And when the writer in Hebrews writes, he says that we must run that race with perseverance. But just more than that, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I'll show you. In your, if you've got your sermon notes, it says the following. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Perseverance, the same word as patience. It tells me that the race that you and I are running is not a sprint. It's longer than a comrade's marathon. And we need perseverance to do that. We need to realize that we're in this for the long haul. But the text says that there are these witnesses who are watching us. There are people up in heaven, those that have gone before us, a great cloud of witnesses that are watching us saying, as you run this race, we're cheering you on. We're shouting at you. We're saying to you, carry on. Don't stop. Don't give up. Listen, you're getting there. You've got another, maybe you've got 
10 more laps to go. Maybe you're starting out, you've still got another 40 laps to go. Maybe you're kind of not sure and you think you've probably got about another lap to go. Whatever it is, we need to run that race with perseverance. Now, those of you who don't like sleeping on a Saturday night, obviously stayed up to watch the rugby game. And you know what it's like. Well, no, you don't know what it's like. Unless, are there any Springboks here? Ex-Springboks? Okay. But apparently what they tell me is that when you kind of run into that stadium, you hear the crowd. You hear the roar. You hear the noise. You sing your anthem. You have tears running down your face. You know, itsy bitsy spider. Because, you remember? <laughs> but you sing that anthem. But you, you, you can just hear the crowd. You, you cannot hear your mother shouting for you. You cannot hear your girlfriend shouting for you. And it's exactly the same as this. That we're running this race. We have this cloud of witnesses who are shouting us on, encouraging us. But every now and again, one of the giants of the faith comes down and runs along next to us. And kind of just speaks. And we, we get to hear what they say. And they kind of speak a bit of, into our lives. And, and this morning, we want to look at that. We want to look at a guy called Joseph. You might know him. You might have grown up in a generation where you went to go and watch Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. I closed my eyes, drew back the curtain. Maybe you know that song. Oh, okay. But, but we know the story of Joseph. We know Joseph, that he was one of many brothers. In fact, he had a father whose name was Jacob. Later on, if you read your Old Testament, his name gets changed to Israel. But Jacob and Israel is the same person. He gets given a new name. But he has these sons, but he has favor on Joseph. In fact, we know the story. Why? Because he makes him a, a, a robe of, of many colors. He makes him this robe and, and, and he kind of speaks into Joseph's life. And, and he kind of, listen, have we got anybody in the congregation here? There's three of you in the family. So it's your mom and your dad and there's three kids. Have any of you a middle child? Hey, you know middle child syndrome. Hey, you, you know, but you know as well that the last born... You know without a shadow of a doubt, even though your parents tell you it's not true, they're the special ones. Hey, they, they, they're the ones. And like when you're born, when you're born the first time as the firstborn, I mean, your mommies coddle you and they look after you. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, he burped. Oh, he did this. Oh, he did that. By the time the last one comes along, oh, you're walking. Yes, I'm three. Oh, when did that happen? <laughs> but the last gets away with anything. I was sitting the guys in the car yesterday in my matric year. I went to the Rannister show. I wanted to have my ear pierced. And I went with my girlfriend and all this. And my mom threatened me with her life. If you do that, I promise you, I will. And she told me a whole lot that I cannot say in church. But we went because we were 18. What do we know? What's your mother going to do? Well, I promptly pierced my ear, came home. And my mother told my dad that he had to give me the hiding of my life, which he did. And then I showed my grand the marks. And then she rebuked my dad for abusing me. But the year after that, I went to the army um, to protect our country from Swaziland and, and Lesotho. But um, I remember phoning home one evening, and I said to my brother, I said, Sean, how are things going? What's happening? No, no, I had a great day. I said, where have you been? No, we've just, we've just come back from the mall. I said, oh, why did you go there? No, mom took me to pierce my ear. I said, what? I said, I still have the marks to prove it. There, there is something about the youngest child, and Joseph is that. Joseph knew that. Joseph knew that, that Jacob looked with favor upon him. But the problem with Joseph is that he didn't know when not to speak or when not to say certain things. And so Joseph kind of, kind of let's look at the text. It says the following. So we'll get to that now. It says, so Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, 
they hated him all the more. So, so this is that they already hated him because they knew what his father had been doing. Joseph, my son, he has a coat for you. Sorry, none for you, but here for you. Wear it, look up. Uh, theologians tell us that it really wasn't of many colors. It just, it just had long sleeves, which kind of meant that he was more special than the others. But it says they hated him even all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to me. What not to say to your older brothers? They respond. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Am I right? Here comes that, they said to each other, sorry. Come on now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns, like a big hole in the ground, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, and then we'll see what comes of all these dreams. You need to know, younger brothers, younger sisters here, there's a time and a place to say certain things. When your brothers are foaming at the mouth, or your sisters are kind of angry with them, do not tell them that they're going to bow down to you. Don't tell them that you are more superior to them, because you end up in a cistern somewhere. But I think Joseph, if Joseph had to come to us and say, no, listen, this is my life. This is what I want to tell you about my life. This is what I understand about it. I really believe that he'll tell us this thing here. Don't ever give up on your dreams. Because he had a gift. God had obviously given him a gift. He had been given a gift to be able to see dreams, but more than that, to be able to interpret the dreams. And so he kind of realized that, well, if God has given me this vision, I need to kind of trust him in this. Listen, you and I have been given dreams. I don't know what your dream was when you were small. I don't know what dream you kind of had when you came into existence. Maybe when you were young, you wanted to be a fireman, or maybe you thought you were going to be a superhero, whatever the case is. And as you kind of got older, you kind of realized that those dreams are really not true. Or maybe you had a dream of when you get married, your whole family will worship God together. And you, you as your household will grow closer to God and, and suddenly you've got a certain age, your children go to teenage years and they kind of drifted off the path and, and uh, now they... They're not even at home anymore. You're praying. Your, your son is in and out of um, addiction all the time, whatever the case is. And you had this dream, and you believe this dream was given to you by God. I want to say to you this morning, and Joseph wants to say to you this morning, don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on your dream. Maybe, maybe you studied, and you really believe that if I study hard, and I have this dream that I kind of want to be an accountant, I have this dream that God's going to put me in a place of influence, and I know, I, I don't know how accountants create influence, but, but you do, you... you, you work with money and spreadsheets but you honor God with that and now suddenly you can't find work anywhere and you've been looking and you've been looking don't give up on your dream don't give up on your dream because as much as Noah's story was it took a while for the ark to come into being I want to say to you Joseph's story is very similar to that Joseph's story is very similar and I think Joseph had a couple of things that he would want to say to us and the first is this don't give up on your dreams even if they don't start well, if you're taking notes, even if they didn't start off well. Because that's the dream he had. This is the dream that you, I have these sheaves, you guys are going to bow down to me. That's how it's going to work. And suddenly he tells his brothers that the last thing he expects is to be thrown into this pit. The last thing he expects is to be sold into slavery by his brothers. The last thing he expects is to suddenly end up in Egypt in captivity. Lord, I don't understand it. You've called me to something. You've told me that you'll never leave me. You've told me you'll never forsake me. But now suddenly it feels like my prayers, every time I pray, hit a ceiling. Been there. 
Lord, I don't understand it. You told me. You told me. I know. I'm not, I'm not thinking this up. You know, it wasn't the pizza speaking. I know you said these promises over my life. And, and, and they're, just, they're just not going well. Maybe the problem is, is that we spend so much time looking in the rearview mirror of our lives than looking out of the front window. And so we think that, that, that God can't use me. God can't use my dream because, well, in the past over here, I did some things. And so I believe that everything I did in the past defines who I am in the present. And I want to say to you, that's a lie from the devil. That if I came to a place over here, what I did was wrong, and I confessed that to God. God doesn't remember that anymore. Listen, you know the story of Paul while he was on his way to persecute Christians. On his way, God comes and speaks to him and says to him, not why are you persecuting these people, why are you persecuting me? He repents, he changes his ways, and he writes most of the New Testament that you and I read today. God is in the business of using people whose lives aren't all together. And maybe, maybe you kind of started off well, you had this dream, but somehow, somehow, you keep on remembering your past. Well, let me tell you, that's his job. He's called the accuser of the brethren. He comes around us to remind us to speak into our lives over and over again. Don't, don't, don't get too happy. Don't, you know, remember a couple of years ago you did this? Remember a couple of years ago you said that? Don't come and think you're all high and mighty now. And so what do we do? Well, obviously he must be right. Listen, he, he might not word it like that. He might say it through people that are close to you. You, you want to do what? You. You. You know, our children come to us and they, they're very excited. We know they're not doing well in maths or whatever the case might be. And they come to us and they say, you know what, mommy, I, I, I wanna, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor. And, and, and nine times out of ten, the first thing we say, what? With your marks? Never. Okay. Okay. And so I hear that for the rest of my life. I'm never going to amount to anything because years ago you told me that because of my marks for something, I can't become a doctor. So if I can't become a doctor, I probably can't become this, I can't become this, I can't become this. Maybe I, I can't amount to anything. There's power in the tongue. And that those who live by it will eat its fruit. So, what the text says. 1 Timothy. Paul writes and he says, I thank Christ Jesus who has given me strength that he considered me faithful. Even before I was faithful. While I was still a sinner. While I was still killing Christians. He considered me faithful. Appointing me to his service. And even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and in unbelief. I want to say to you, Joseph will come alongside you and say to you, listen here, even if your dream didn't start off well, I want you to know, I want you to know, it's going to be fine. I think the second thing he'd say to us as well is, don't give up on your dreams, even if those closest to you don't support you. I, I remember I was, I, I have a lot of army stories, but I remember phoning home, and telling my mom that I wanted to go into ministry. I, I wanted to be a teacher, uh, but then I got saved. And then, um, and matric was just fun. I just, I did everything that I could do. I played like rugby for the seventh team. It was wonderful. It was, but I did all kinds of things. I realized I could act. I could do all, so I just did everything. And then I realized that I had to apply for varsity and I forgot. And so I went up to the army and in the army, I got my call to ministry. And I remember phoning my mom. My mom was a church secretary of a Methodist minister. And I said to her, mom, I, I really believe people have been speaking over my life. And they said to me that I need to go into ministry. And she was like, over the moon. That's how you told me my son, a minister. I'm going to tell everybody. That's just like, that is the most amazing. Oh, our son speaks with Jesus. 
I can still see me on the ticky box telling her that, and I can see her reaction on the other side. A ticky box. It's where you put money into the thing and then you phone. Okay. I know some of you like a ticky box. A ticky. I don't know what a ticky was either. Okay. But it sounds better than a one set phone. Okay. But I remember phoning. And then I said to her, she said, well, that's so great. That's so great. Well, I'll get your papers to go to Rhodes. And I thought, where? She goes, yo, you have to go to Rhodes University. I was sitting in Oshering at that time. I was like, there's no way. I want to go back home. So I said, no, no, I don't think I need to go to there. And I remember looking at some places, and I came up with this charismatic university called Rhema. And I phoned my mom. I said, no, I'm, I want to go to Rhema, Ma. And she said, Rhema? Isn't that short for Rhema Corley? You can't go to that church. Those people, they are born again. I said, well, that's where I feel like I want to go. Oh, that's not a real church. No, no, no. Maybe you have kind of dreams. It's the closest people around us that have so much voice into our lives. Now listen, she came around and all that, and she was very excited. She still tells, well, she doesn't anymore. She now tells Jesus. But she used to tell people, my son's a pastor. Oh, he speaks as Jesus. And then she'd curse me because I did something wrong. But I want to tell you this morning that it's the people in our spheres of influence who will speak negative over us when we come and tell them about a dream that we have. Not because they don't believe in you. It's because they don't have enough belief in themselves that God could do the same work in them. And so if I can bring you down and speak negative over you, then I feel better about myself. Jesus experienced exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. The writer says the following in Mark's gospel. He says, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and son? Aren't his sisters here, here with us now? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor. What are you, what are you, what are you, you the son of what? The son of God. So like, do we have to check you in somewhere? You need to go to a padded room? Do you, you need to see somebody? No, no, no I, 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 I'm the son of God. Listen, if my brother said that to me, I'd probably have the same response that he's the but because of their lack of belief, because they couldn't put their trust in their brother, because it was the guy that was running around as a kid, Jesus could do no miracles there because of their lack of belief. Maybe the hardest place for you to live out your dream is with the people that are closest to you. Joseph will say to you, don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on that dream. The third thing is just don't give up on that dream even if your journey is full of surprises. Don't give up on your dream, even if your journey is full of surprises. Joseph knew that. I have seen these sheaves. People are going to bow down to me. He's thrown into pits. He gets taken off to Egypt. He gets kind of put in prison. He kind of founds favor. He gets to work at Potiphar's house. While he's working at Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife looks at Joseph and says, Oh, he's not too shabby. She kind of makes advances at Joseph. Joseph kind of flees, runs, and while he runs away, he leaves his coat behind. And so they know that she falsely accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. So what do they do? They throw Joseph in prison. And there he is back again. In the back of his mind, surely over and over again, I don't understand this, God, you've given me this dream. And, and I kind of, I was thrown into a pit. I managed to get out of that pit. Then I was kind of sold into slavery. But, but, but Potiphar found me and I was living a good life. And then his wife kind of hit on me and, 
and I didn't do anything. Lord, you saw I was good. You saw I didn't. I flee. Your word tells me I need to flee all kind of sexual temptation. I ran, and now I'm in prison again. And while he's in prison, there's the cupbearer to the king, and the cupbearer says, look, I had this dream. And, and, and Joseph says, oh, I, you know, I have this gift, and this is what your dream means. And the cupbearer is excited about it. He says, well, that's great. Joseph says, okay, just do me one favor, please. Please, just one favor. When you get out of prison, remember me. The cupbearer says, 100%, I'll do that. What happens? He gets out of prison, and he forgets all about Joseph. In fact, Joseph spends another two years in prison. Lord, where are you? I don't understand it. You've told me that you've got a dream for me. You've told me that you've called me to something. But here I'm sitting in the slop and in the mire in prison. Tell the king has a dream. And they remember, hang on, hang on, there's a guy in prison who remembers those dreams. And they hold Joseph out and he interprets the dream. And the king realizes, or Pharaoh realizes, oh my word, hang on, this guy's got some. And he puts him in charge of Egypt, second in command. Listen, you have a dream? You know, I need to spend some time in the pit. You might have spent some time, you might kind of get out of the pit, and you might have think you're on your way to the palace, but you end up in Potiphar's house. And you're going to spend a time in Potiphar's house and something might go wrong and you're going to end up in jail. But I want to tell you, the palace is coming. The palace is coming. It's how you found faithful in all those other areas before that determines how you're going to end up in the palace. And so I believe that with all my heart. I believe that he'll say to you, listen, your journey is going to be full of surprises, but I want you to don't give up on your dream. If you believe, if you're praying for your children to come to know Jesus, if you're believing that they can come to salvation, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Even if they look like they've gone worse, carry on praying. Carry on trusting. Listen, there are wives in this congregation who never thought their husbands would come to know Jesus. And today they testify to that. They are gr- Listen, if you've got a grandmother praying for you, just stop now and just give your life to Jesus. Okay, the prayers of a grandmother are faithful. They will come to being. Just, just give up now. But I know our heart breaks. We, we have these dreams and we believe them with all our hearts and, and our journeys are full of surprises over and over again. I love what the text says in Romans. He says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who are called and love him and have been called according to his purpose. God works in all things. Good things and bad things. And I think then Joseph, as he gets back to the stands, as he finishes running the lap with us, I think he has a couple of words of encouragement. Just before you go, before I go, sorry, we're still running. I want to leave you with a couple of words of encouragement. And I think these are some of the things that Joseph would say to us. And the first is this. Don't give up on your dreams. Why am I going backwards? Even if it takes a long time to realize it, sorry. Even if it takes a long time to realize it, don't give up on your dreams. The writer, Habakkuk, says the following. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Here's that word. Just be patient. They will be overdue, not be overdue, a single day. There it is, a single day. The problem we have is that P word over there. Lord, I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. Maybe if God hasn't given you a dream right now, maybe he knows something more about you than you know about yourself. 
Maybe he's kind of holding something back because he knows that you need to go through a pit. Maybe he knows you need to spend some time in Potiphar's house. Maybe he knows before you can get to the palace, you need to be refined first before that. But the vision will come to fruition and it will never, ever be overdue on a single day. So what are the encouragements that he gives to us? What are the final words of encouragement? I believe this is this. Focus what happens in you, not to you. Focus what happens in you and not to you. I think so often we kind of believe the whole world is against us, but you need to understand this, that God is trying to do something in our lives. When things aren't going well, the question we need to ask ourselves is not, what have I done wrong, Lord? But what is it that you want me to learn in the midst of all of this? What is it that you're trying to teach me in it? James understands that. He says that. You've got that in your text. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops. There's that word again, perseverance. He doesn't say, consider pure joy because of the trials. He doesn't say, oh, here comes a trial. Now, yeah, I love trials. He's not saying that. He said, no, no, in the midst of your trial, consider pure joy because there's something in this trial that God wants to teach me. God doesn't send things to you or bad things happen, but he, what he does is he gives us opportunities to learn in those moments. And I'm sure Joseph would say to you, listen here, just kind of focus on what is God trying to do in you? What is he saying to you in the quietness of your heart? In the midst of these detours that you're going on, what is, what is developing inside of you? You see, because I think what can happen is that our dreams can come to fruition like this. But our heart and our character is not ready for that. And that's my prayer. That, that's why I know God has just never given me a billion rand. Because he just knows my heart and my character is not ready for that. Because you will know about it. I will post it on every social media platform. You will not, like, I have arrived, look at my bling, look at, every, you know. Yeah, I probably wouldn't, but stupid example. But what, what, what is God trying to do in you? What is he saying to you? What is the word that he's kind of speaking over your life? The second thing is probably the hardest one of encouragement. Your response to offense determines your future. So they're in the worst drought they could ever experience. And eventually, because of Joseph and because of what he's taught them and told them, that there will be seven great years, but then there will be seven lean years. And so Egypt knew this, and so they began to stockpile and kept all the grain that they could keep. We might call it karma. We might say the wheel turns, whatever it is. But his brothers end up in Egypt. Before him. He's second in command. They come, they need grain, otherwise they're going to die. And Joseph is the person they speak to. What do they do? They come before the second in command and they bow down in front of him, not even realizing who he is. Joseph has every right. He was, sold, he was child trafficked. He was sold into slavery. Every right to say to them, just get rid of these guys. Just lock them up, throw them away. No, no. He, he kind of responds in a different way. Listen, you need to hear this this morning. Your, your future determines your response to offense. I think we live in a culture at the moment that, uh, oh, oh, no, you, you don't understand. And so what happens is I can never, ever move forward because every time I walk somewhere, this one offended me, this one did this, this one did that. And so I just I, I go to church with those hypocrites. You know, I went to church once and nobody said hello to me. I'm offended. And so I'm not going to go back. 
And we all carry on. Because in this church, nobody offends anybody. You know, it's all the other churches that, you know, <laughs> we're good here. Right. But it's your spiritual journey that gets affected by it. Your spiritual journey that gets affected by it. That's what Joseph writes, and he says the following. He says, what you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You intended to harm me. You threw me into this pit. You thought that this would get rid of me, but I want to say to you that it was the longest journey I've ever been on. It was the hardest journey I've ever been But God intended it for good because here I am today. Not because you're bowing down at me, but I have an opportunity to save you today. I have an opportunity to give to you what you desperately, desperately, desperately need. Your response to offense determines your future. And then the last thing is that every dream has tough times. But remember, God is always with you. And I know that might sound like something you want to put on a little poster. But I want you to hear that this morning. That he is with you. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He doesn't forget about the dreams. You don't have to go back to him and remind him about the dream. He is with you. He's with you. And maybe you need to just kind of dust off your dreams again. Maybe you need to revisit them again. Maybe you need to believe a little bit in the absurd. Because God delights in the impossible. He delights in the impossible. If God has given you a vision that's too big for you, that's exactly from him. If your vision scares you, that's definitely from him. If the dream that God gives for you is like, whoa, my word, that's not, that's from him. God will always give you something you cannot attain so that you need to understand that you need to rely on him to get it. The psalmist writes and he says the following. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. You need to hear this. He's with you. He's with you. And so I don't know this morning what dreams you've let die. Maybe you're still pursuing the dream, but this morning you're sitting in a pit. Or maybe you've kind of got through the pits and you've kind of had a good run and everything well and now you're in prison. And, and, and every day is just a slog and, and every day is hard and, and, and it's just like I don't get it. I take five steps forward and I just feel like I take 10 steps back and it just, I just can't seem to make a difference. I can't seem to go anywhere. Lord, I don't even know, I don't even know if you love me anymore. Because if you loved me, you would make it happen like this. It's a natural response to God. I want you to hear this morning that he's with you. Isaiah speaks about it and he says that, that when I pass through the waters, you are with me. When I go through the fire, you are with me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. So this morning, let's, let's just close our eyes and pray and 